Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast in which we profile some of our favorite B-movie and genre film stars. That's right. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. And if you're hearing this, it's because our first few episodes were recorded before we knew what our podcast was called. Yep. Or before we had any social media. So you'll hear us say a lot of stuff that either isn't true or... Not real yet. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, but now it's real. If you're but now this, it's real. It's real. Yeah. Uh, you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Um, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the internet. And um, we're now part of the Movie John Network. Yes. So uh, definitely follow Movie John on social medias as well as uh, the Movie John Podcast Network. Yep, you can go to moviejohn.com for this podcast mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, we also just want to quickly give a shout out to uh, the folks that helped us with some of our music, uh, which uh, I'm lucky enough to have friends, uh, Christine and her partner, Pat, uh, who did the intro music for the podcast, as well as Alex, uh, who is the co-owner of A Novel Idea on Passiunk uh, in Philadelphia. Does Alex have a last name so people can look him up? Alex Snyder. Uh, So he is a really great graphic designer. Uh, He does all the graphic design for the bookshop uh, that he co-owns and has done uh, tons of other work for other folks. So we're very lucky to have these talented people who uh, did the music and art for us because those are things we can't do. Yeah, so (laughs) thank you to them and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Killer Bees, which is uh, what we, I think, are, have settled on for the name of this podcast, which we've recorded several episodes for already. <laughs> I think we have an official name now. Yes. We, we feel good. We feel confident. We really like it. Um, we want to thank uh, Bob Potenza, a.k.a. my father, for suggesting the name. The Killer Bee himself. The, ki- the, <laughs> the OG Killer Bee. Uh, well, the OG Killer Bees are the Wu Tang. Well, uh, yeah, fair enough. Which we thought was the the source of his inspiration. I somehow knew that was not the source of your dad's inspiration <laughs> for the name of this podcast. Yeah, I guess Bob probably might not have the most. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't do Wu Tang plan, Wu-Tang. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but instead, it apparently was from a Saturday Night Live sketch uh, that starred. Um, oh, who did he say? Was it Chevy and... Uh, Buscemi. And no, not Buscemi. <laughs> Belushi. Belushi. <laughs> the other weird B name. Yeah, Belush. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, and they dressed up like uh, bees. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll get some bee costumes in the future. You know, back when SNL was doing that hard-hitting commentary on the current <laughs> issues of the world around them, like the invasion of killer bees. Bees, man. I know. I remember reading something about that where you're- I'm sure they did one for murder hornets. They had to have. Right, yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched SNL in a long time. No, me neither. But I did hear that, uh, what's his name, on Weekend Update had to make fun of his wife, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. I I don't even know how much I like this guy. Colin Yost, No, I don't like him either, but the fact that, because it's like a a bit where he just has to like read off like what the other guy has set up for him. Oh, yes. I've seen these before, yeah. Uh, And it just happened to be a joke about his wife playing uh, a black actor in a movie. Oh, yeah, uh, because he's married to, just so anybody listening has all the context. Colin Yost is one of the SNL cast members right now. Married to Scarlett Johansson. Married to Scarlett Johansson. Who has come under fire yes. for uh, taking roles that yes, yes. Uh, she probably shouldn't. Right, yeah. Ghost in the Shell is like kind of the, the primo example. For sure. Um, but um, uh, yeah, uh, that the my favorite part of that sketch, they do it at the end of every year, I think. Mm. Because it's him and Michael Shea, I think. Who is I like the... a decent amount. I yeah. think he's very funny. I and I, I guess he's like the his like co-host or counterpart in this bit where usually it results in Michael Che making Colin Yo say something racist. And mm. I always really enjoy that moment every year. Yep. yep. Pretty good. Um I don't know how we ended up here. Uh bees. Yep. Killer bees on the track. Which maybe whenever we get music to intro the podcast, it should just be bee sounds. <laughs> <laughs> that will definitely pass all the like new, you know, uh, 
uh, uh, copyright uh, laws around Who that stuff. Who could get mad at us yeah. for bees? The murder hornets. <laughs> yeah, it. maybe we'll get sued by mur- murder hornets, yeah. but it's fine. Yeah, that's that's what we're all worried about with the murder hornet invasion <laughs> is their lawyers, their legal teams. They got a killer legal team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't, uh, as of now, we haven't been releasing episodes yet, but it's been a little bit since we've recorded because Garrett and I were both under the weather. Since we uh, <laughs> live together, we immediately get each other sick. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit, so I'm excited to get back at it. Me too. I realized just now sitting here doing this that for some reason, even though I'm sitting right next to you, I can't look at you while I do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like looking away from you while I record. <laughs> And just listening to your voice in the headphones that I mean, I'm wearing. I mean, you look at me all the time, so. Yeah, I don't know. I But I think I do this even when it's like Dan and I, like, doing mm. our our other show on, on this same couch. Yeah. I, for some reason, the nature of this, I like, I think I, I listen to podcasts. Mm. So for some reason, I am listening to us make this podcast. <laughs> Do you is this okay for you? Should we adjust? You want no, to this is fine. That chair over there. <laughs> I think we're doing fine. <laughs> Great. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to the person we're gonna uh, discuss today. Oh, yeah, explain the concept of our show. Oh, I'm Garrett Smith, and I'm Tori Potenza, and yep. we're already failing miserably. No, but, we're doing uh, great. We're we're still within the opening five minutes. <laughs> but uh, killer you've got bees. thirty seconds to deliver the premise. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for interrupting me. Uh, so Killer Bees, uh, the podcast in which we uh, delve into uh, our favorite bee movie or genre movie stars. Uh, so if you've listened to us thus far, we did a two-part episode on John Saxon because uh, he's wonderful and we really just couldn't do one single episode on the legend that Correct. is John Saxon. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited to, to get to our next person um but i know last time we tried to discuss some of the uh genre films we'd watched of late uh so yeah we've mostly been watching 2020 movies uh trying to do our catch-up for our year-end lists yeah um, a thing that i didn't think i was going to do this year and then of course i guess like the last two weeks of the year and i was yeah. like god oh, damn it i do want to see all these movies and catch up a little bit there's there's actually been quite a bit that we have missed and we've done a really good amount of catch-up some of which have been some pretty good yeah, genre I mean, films admit we finally watched birds of prey which is a movie that frankly i don't even yeah. know if i was really going to watch on my own necessarily and uh yeah. boy did i like that movie yeah the movie kicked ass i was a big fan of it uh we talked a little bit about uh just how i didn't really like margot robbie initially and uh Mm -hmm. i feel like these couple roles like i tanya and seeing her in uh, birds of prey have definitely given me more of an appreciation she's tremendous i mean i i think uh really of no fault of her own like she came onto the scene in wolf of wall street where she literally is meant to be like a trophy woman yeah you know uh and because Hollywood loves to give us trophy women, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we then o- almost as an audience, I think sometimes look down on them when I it's know. like that's Hollywood doing that to them. And I think she's like obviously a, a great case for like why we should not reduce our actresses. For to- sure. And I feel like I can be unfairly hard on my sex sometimes when it comes to stuff like that. Right. And I just write off certain actresses and I'm yeah. like, well, that's dumb. So yeah, yeah. this has been a learning uh, moment she, yeah, for myself. She's tremendous. She's I think, wonderful. You know. yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. good. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we watched Birds of Prey, which was exciting. Um, and really good. I liked that movie a lot. Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to owning that movie. That feels like a great like Saturday yeah. afternoon, like right alongside our Detective Pikachu's and our Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters. I know. And uh, Ewan McGregor is just uh, so good delightful, in that movie. Like deliciously evil yes. in that movie. You get like so many awesome, like amazing female performances in that movie but then yep. you also get Ewan McGregor just fucking chewing scenery and wearing insane outfits. Yeah. Uh, all the costuming throughout the movie oh, is pretty great. So good. He yeah. has like that one suit that's like black with uh, gold embroidering all yeah. over it which is just like a good look uh, in general. Um, and then I always forget this woman's name but she's on Lovecraft Country another person that I'm very excited I'm going to uh, look her up so that we don't not say her name cuz yes. she also has an Oh her name is like uh well all right I don't want to get it wrong yeah. um <laughs> Yeah we have tiny computers next to us we can yeah. do this uh, effectively cuz right cuz her name is Journey Smollett I think that's how you say it I think it's Journey Smollett 
And she, I mean, we've only seen a few episodes left, Craft Country, but uh, between this and Birds of Prey, she fucking rocks. Yeah. Uh, and also is costumed deliciously in both the show and film. Uh, and Birds of Prey, she, you pointed out that, like, at the same time we realized she was wearing this amazing outfit that was a, a denim blue vest with these, like, tight, Fucking gold pants. Denim top, gold bottom, baby. Fucking. And with gold oh. boots <laughs> matching. Yeah. And she like she beats incredible. up a bunch of dudes wearing that outfit. Yeah. And then like eventually they re- I noticed later in the movie they actually reversed that costume. She was wearing like yeah. denim jeans and then like a tight and gold top. Cool, yeah. yeah. But um she rocks. looked great in that movie. And uh yeah, I, I mean, I guess this is a weird thing for me to comment on with the movie, but I did notice that like all of the women were showing a lot of midriff, but like mm. not a lot of cleavage, which I thought was like an interesting like that is interesting. female lens on their sexuality, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because I believe it's a female director. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I was I was sort of thinking about how that's like an interesting way for them all to be sexy, but not in the way that uh men would maybe lens them as yeah. sexy, if that makes sense. I, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um so yeah, we've definitely seen some cool genre 2020 stuff. But one thing I was also looking at, because we haven't recorded in a while, I don't think we recorded Century. We watched one of the weirdest movies in one. the past month or so, uh, Blood Beat. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we- A Christmas story. Uh, which is a Christmas movie, because we all love the traditional Christmas samurai. Of course. Uh, and so, of course- Yeah, we all remember that when uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, the most famously haunted <laughs> Christmas man, yep. uh, was haunted by a bunch of Christmas ghosts, mm-hmm. they were all ancient samurai warriors yep. that came for his spirit. Yep. So a movie that takes place- place it well made in the 80s takes place in wisconsin starring a bunch of white people and then some hippy dippy mom is kind of haunted by a samurai ghost and this girl gets possessed by it genuinely i have no idea if the details you're providing are correct and i'm I'm not saying that to like insult you i'm saying that because the movie is like so bizarre i'm like yeah it seems like the mom paints these like haunted paintings but then that doesn't matter no uh it seems like maybe the samurai spirit is something that she conjured but that's not entirely clear because yeah. it seems like maybe it's the girlfriend that got brought home. Yeah, we have no idea. I have no idea. It's a fucking genuinely ridiculous movie yeah. that I can't really recommend uh, people it's watch. It's on Shudder, <laughs> and I feel like, weirdly, we seem to have like the worst opinion of this movie, of yeah, our I crew of friends. Yeah, I did not like this no, movie at all. I thought it was kind of boring, but I... Do you think had we seen it in the context of like a late night screening with an exhumed crew? If I had seen this at one a.m. Yeah. at a horrothon yeah. while being like maybe a little drunk or yeah. high, probably would have enjoyed the shit out of it. it. Yeah. Uh, it at home on our TV, where we're no. just like trying to enjoy it together, it was kind of a slog. Yeah, I was but just really excited for that movie to be over. It does have some great moments of absurdity. Oh, for sure. It, like yeah. a lot of these movies will go by, and I will totally forget. Them mm-hmm. as much as I do not understand enough about this movie to even try and explain it nope, to the audience. Not a bit. It's got sequences I distinctly remember, mm-hmm. like when the whatever it is, the samurai spirit or whatever, is like haunting the house at one point. There's like mm-hmm. a really good haunted house sequence of like just practical like yeah. shelf shaking and like there is some cool practical. Yeah, there's, stuff there's that some I fun dug. stuff in the and there's yeah. like there's a lot of them doing that that thing that they. I, I, I don't know how often this has been done in the history of movies, but like where they literally seem to just like draw things onto the cells, like mm. the the film cells, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, that like green yeah, glow that yeah, was yeah, around yeah. like the ghost thing. I love when yeah. I can tell in a movie they literally like colored their negative. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's definitely how those effects were done. And I, I'm really into <gasps> oh, that. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So definitely one of the weirdest movies we've seen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for some like truly weird yeah. off the wall Christmas movie, this year, uh, that's you the can find ticket. That on Shutter, uh, Blood yeah. Beat. Blood Beat. Yeah, and we've got friends that love this movie because it it's is true. so deeply weird. Yeah, so. and like you know, since we love genre movies, we appreciate the deeply weird. Oh yeah, but this one just didn't quite hit me the way I yeah. had hoped. Yeah, such a weird movie would. I think context would have mattered there for sure. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm ready to get into our uh, our main part of the show. Let's if do you it. are, I'm, I'm in. Uh, so yeah, we chose someone who uh, she only has 33 like credits on IMDb, so not like the longest film career. And even before we decided to do her, I think she was probably one of our most watched actresses of the <laughs> year because we randomly watched two of her movies in one day and then rented another from yes. Viva Video. Yes. Uh, so we have decided to do uh the truly underappreciated scream queen uh jill sholene 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 uh, who has <laughs> you weren't gonna let me do the whole thing i'm sorry do you right. continue that's uh, it's over oh okay I great did it all. okay sorry about that that's all of the song that i know <laughs> um but yes jill sholene uh with one of the most iconic like raspy like yeah like 90s babe voices that i really love and uh i think we'll get more into like the movies that we watched this year with her in it which were quite a few um but yeah like she also is one of those people who i guess i've seen several of her movies but just didn't realize like that it was the same actress in them until i really started digging deeper into to this person and her career i don't think it was until we watched a few of these back to back that i realized she is in a a child childhood favorite of the the Mm -hmm. Smith family household. Uh, She stars alongside Keanu Reeves in a a version of Babes in Toyland that uh, we owned the VHS of and my sister and I watched the shit out of. Never seen it. uh, Only recently did I realize must be one of the like major contributing factors to how much I enjoy deeply weird movies Mm. because it is a deeply weird movie. Yeah, that was definitely one of my uh, young like gaps in movie knowledge. I don't know if anyone else has seen this movie. We just happen to own that VHS. It's a title I know and have known. But I think that's because Babes in Toyland like exists beyond just this weird movie from the 90s. I think that's like a thing, a story that has been adapted a bunch, Mm. I think. Mm, Maybe. I think. But, uh, and also a Christmas movie. Yeah. 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 It's got an Asian Santa Claus in it. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we, we wanted to find the time to watch, but at some point, I am going to sure make you watch will. that movie at some point. It is uh, readily say, available. And I say make you watch it because I think the only way anyone could see this movie in 2020 is by being held captive in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Amazon lets you stream it unless it knows <laughs> you've already got someone kidnapped. If you're, you know, if you're doing 2020 the safe way, you kind of already are kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You've self kidnapped. <laughs> you've self kidnapped yeah. yourself. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure we will find the time to to watch the babes in Toyland. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm really excited to do her. Um. Because of the films of hers that I have seen, um, pretty much all of them are like deeply weird, and some of them are some of my favorite like weird genre films. I wonder as how well. much of this was like her making choices as an actress versus you know whatever her agent could get her. Because I know. You to look at her filmography, you'd be like, I mean, she's got a particular kind of taste. She does, and I. It's unfortunate that she didn't continue on. It seems like, as we'll go through her filmography and her career, it definitely seems like there was a bit of a dip. Um, And one of the things that I have heard from reading some of her interviews, which, um, you know, some of our friends who run Cinepunks actually have interviewed Jolene in maybe even like a year or two ago. Yeah, pretty recent. um, Pretty recently, which was cool to find out. Um, But it seems like uh, the new, like the just new releases have kind of helped bring her back into the fold. Oh, like re-releases of uh, yeah, older movies um, that have been coming out? Yeah, so now that like, you know, certain like really weird movies are getting like Blu-ray releases and people yeah. are discovering them again, it's bringing her back into the spotlight, which is pretty exciting. We'll talk about it, but like that was We Ran in Popcorn, and yeah. that I believe was like a brand new to Blu-ray from yeah. Vinegar Syndrome, maybe? I can't remember. Somebody I can't did remember. It. But yeah, I remember yeah. like around Halloween, I was trying to maybe find some movies to buy for us, and they were selling popcorn on Blu-ray on uh, Target, which yeah. I thought was such a weird thing for Target to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, I think is helping bring some more appreciation to Sholene, which is exciting. And um, as we'll kind of talk a little bit more about, has uh, given her a little bit more of some some stuff to do uh, with her in her like now, I don't know, career renaissance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um. So yeah, Jill Sholene, born on March twenty first, nineteen sixty three. I think that means she's a Pisces like me. 
Oh, okay. And uh, 63 is the year my dad was born. Oh. So um, so she's around my dad's age. And she was born in Burbank, California. Um, she's the daughter of a well-known fashion designer, Dorothy Sholene, and uh, studied at the Acting for Life Theater in Burbank. Um, so Sholene's career started off in some like TV and TV movies. Uh, she, uh, was on a little bit of Little House on the Prairie, totally. uh, in the eighties. Um, it feels like I must have seen her in that. I definitely watched a lot of Little House on the Prairie I've w- never on TV. seen any Little House on the Prairie. I was on TV a lot when I was growing up. For some reason, anything Prairie life related seems like the most deeply boring thing to me. It was. Yeah. I don't know why, I, but I definitely. <laughs> watched it no but like that was a th- like people were into it like girls that i grew up with were really into it and i i mean i love jane austen so i guess i can't really talk because right. i'm sure people find that deeply boring as well but prairie life man like yeah oof. like american girl dolls feel like just like little house on the prairie action figures and they were huge um they all had very different backstories oh, okay. i will have you know <laughs> so they're not all prairie life companions uh no there okay. were many of them You're victoria good. or samantha who yep. i had mm-hmm. was from victorian times oh, okay um, I also had Kaya, who was a Native American girl doll, as well as Josephine, who was from Mexico. Oh. So, and I always wanted in Kirsten, who was a Swedish uh, immigrant American girl doll. Okay. So, there are many. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Which I'm, I, ha- I have to assume your sister maybe had some of them I growing up. I cannot remember. I know we had Barbie in the house. Mm. I don't know if we had American Girl. They were expensive. Yeah, they and were. And it was I like a that. big deal like that my mom could yeah. get me one for I my birthday. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh doing doing some some deeply boring prairie life shows. Uh-huh. Uh and then her first uh film role was uh 1981, a TV movie called The Best of Times which starred Crispin Glover and Nicolas Cage. Which puts it right on the top of my we need to find this fucking movie. We do list. because like right off the bat, she's working with some really weird genre actors. Well, and these are also two guys that like independently were off at like if you were to talk to other actors of their generation mm-hmm. at the time, these were the two guys that everybody was like, Oh, they're like the they're the greatest. Yeah, for like, sure. Like they the like Crispin Glover is making choices that no one else makes mm. uh as an actor and and will be one of the greats. And yeah. you know, I I suppose we could argue about whether that has come to pass or not. I, uh, but you know, he and, was and something recently, wasn't he? Boy, I don't know. Uh, he has had a very interesting uh, past, like you know, decade, really. Oh, he was in American Gods. Oh, really? That makes yeah. sense to me, actually. Yeah. So I did. I watched the first season of that, so I had seen him in something yeah. in, in some recent years. That makes sense to me that um, he would be in that. I mean, he needs to make money to fuel whatever uh, film he's yes, trying the, to make the now. movies that he's making and that you can only see when he's also in the room <laughs> with you. So 2020 has been severely lacking. I would Crispin assume Glover there have been no screenings. Crispin Glover movies <laughs> that anyone has been able to see this year. Um, but the best of times, the IMDb description is really wonderful. Here's the lives of seven teenage friends in 1981, singing, dancing, and breaking the fourth wall. I Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> that, that was a five-star description. Oh, the best part is only an hour long. Uh, that was, now it's a ten-star description. <laughs> Um, she goes on to have a bit role in a Mr. T film in 1983 called DC Cab. Um, so you gotta, it's fascinating who she's already. I was going to say, if if you're just running down the list (laughs) so far, her co-stars have been Crispin Glover, Nicolas Cage, and Mr. T. Yes. Um, and then does a teen comedy called Hot Moves. Hot Moves. Which is about four Venice Beach boys uh, who make a pact to lose their virginity before beginning their senior year of high school. Okay, so here's what I want to know, and I, I should have done a little research, is like, is this the first teen comedy that has that premise? Because that is also the premise of American Pie. And oh, and like many right. other teen sex yeah. comedies have like a very similar premise. Yeah. And I, and you know... I, I guess we had been making teen comedies for a while at that point, but like the teen sex comedy, I feel like is kind of new mm. to like late, like late seventies, early eighties is like, yeah. that's like, 
a, a kind of a new genre, I think. Probably. I also can't, I mean, now that you mentioned how many movies there are like that, I like can't think of a subgenre I care about less than just dudes oh, trying to get laid. That sounds horrible. I completely understand and <laughs> still, for some reason, really like American Pie. I, I think I've only maybe seen it once. I well, so I, don't I even think the second that one is the it. one I saw a lot. The second one I remember like quite a, quite a bit. But of. Mr. Eugene Levy is in it, so it yeah. can't be all bad. No, he's and he's great in those movies. And, uh, what's her name? Allison Buffy. Yeah, the, uh, H- Han- Han- Hannigan. Hannigan is that I think, right? I think that's it. Yeah. I love her. Big fan. Yeah. Um. So then she. This is kind of the turning point for for Jill Sholin's career when she starts doing. Um, uh, some more TV like genre films, uh, but it's a Wes Craven movie called Chiller, which I have not seen. Chiller, I don't I've think never I've seen heard this of. Either. Um, and she stars alongside Michael Beck, uh, from the Warriors. From the Warriors, who, what a good-looking young man. Who, yeah, uh, I mean his role as Swan really, yeah, really is one of the best. Right, so good. Um, just the way he looks in that vest, he's just wearing that vest. Uh. Oh, I know. It's so good. Yeah. And I think that was the first time I was attracted to a dude with long hair. So oh, that's I was, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, Swan yeah. gets it. Yeah. 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 Um, so Chiller is about a corporate exec, uh, Miles Creighton, uh, who dies and is cryogenically frozen in the hopes that he can be revived. Ten years later, the procedure is a success and Miles returns without his soul. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was a business exec. Did he have a soul in the first place is the question. His name is Miles Crichton, which I have to assume is a reference to Michael Crichton in some way, especially that he's got a cryogenically frozen body. It just sounds like something that Michael Crichton would write a story about. There's gotta be at least one Crichton film, or not film, book that has a similar premise to that. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like her first horror film, which is pretty exciting. Um, and she ha- has kind of said in a quote I found, um, I still don't think of myself as a total horror person. As time goes on, the fans of horror are so fantastic. They keep careers of actors alive and keep these movies alive. Where a lot of other films not in the genre really have fallen to the wayside and forgotten. I think it's the fans who deserve tremendous credit for keeping so many of these films alive. Um, which is really cool. Like, because that's the thing I feel like we've heard a couple times now with these actors where it's like horror fans like really are good at finding these actors and kind of latching on to them for these weird roles that they've done over time yeah she's like well and I mean yeah I, I I do get curious with some of these people like um it seems like a lot of their careers are almost like extended by this community which is it's kind of cool it's like this interesting way that the community cares for these people yeah I don't, yeah i don't know yeah there's something interesting there that i i we, we will have to continue to discuss as we do this show because i can't sure. quite put my finger on it right now but it's i'm i'm literally i mean this is feels insulting to miss Jolene, and that's not mm. intended to be directed at her but like almost like this old folks home where we're all just like taking care you know what i mean like i know but it's it you're right it is interesting it's like i feel like i'm working through a thesis like doing yeah. this podcast and this idea that like you know these these people are you know doing the convention circuits yeah. and helping like host these movie mm-hmm. nights or people who are like helping new horror directors yeah. with their careers yeah, right, and right. so and it's, it's like keeping their kind of own mythology alive but yeah. also using it to kind of just like further the whole genre i don't mm-hmm. know like the the mythology and history of the genre it's, it's interesting yeah. and then she also has a comment here that like horror films were some of her favorite to work on and the productions were usually like really lovely which is also kind of a, a fun thing to hear and something i think you want to hear in, in the films that you like and, and care I about think you can tell like we've now watched a few of her horror movies and yeah. i think you can tell she likes doing this yeah. like she seems to relish in mm-hmm. in like the fun of these movies absolutely um you know which is i is what makes a great scream queen uh, mm-hmm. is is how much they enjoy it. you know um, we I, we also love Barbara Crampton who hates that term she you know does yeah. not like which, to be called which, fair yeah. which I'm excited um, to talk about whenever we talk about we will uh, talk about Barbara. her at some point I think yeah um, but yeah I mean it's like she loves these movies and yeah. this this genre in particular and uh, yeah. And whether whether you embrace that term or not, like there are so many of these very cool like matriarchs of the horror community that are helping like keep it alive that I am so excited to delve more into. Um, From there, Sholene does a 
film called uh, Thunder Alley with Clancy Brown. That's kind of a rock film about like, you know, the music industry and drugs. And again, which... so Crispin Glover, Nicolas Cage, Mr. T, yep. Michael Beck, Clancy Brown, mm -hmm. just like knocking these names off a list here. It's like this is what a wild start to your and career. then uh quickly after 1985, she's in a film called That Was Then, This Is Now, which stars Emilio Estevez. So she's like still working through these films with these uh oh, some don't, of our faves. Don't leave out Mr. Morgan Freeman. And, and Mr. Morgan Freeman, yeah. I was reading a different thing and I forgot <laughs> that Morgan Freeman is also in that's that movie. Emilio and Morgan Freeman. I mean, that's a twofer right there if I've ever heard one. Oh, so good. Yeah, another one we might have to watch just because of the cast itself. Um, we need to just take a minute to appreciate that we we just put Emilio Estevez and Morgan Freeman on equal ground where they belong. Where the, they for sure belong, especially since Mighty Ducks is coming back. Yeah, Gordon Bombay, baby. <laughs> Which means we're probably going to have to rewatch all the Mighty Ducks movies. Coming back in to another VHS role that made him a staple of the Smith household. Gotta love it. So good. Um, and then in 1986, she uh, stars in two more TV films one called Shattered Spirits with Martin Sheen. Speaking of the old Estevez crew. I know. You gotta love it. Yeah. I mean, I love Martin Sheen so much. Uh -huh. And I love Emilio. Like, I know. Emilio is starting to look and sound like Martin Sheen in a big way. I know, which is very endearing to me, especially since I. I watch so much West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she does that. And then she also does the movie that we've already mentioned, Babes in Toyland, starring alongside Keanu Reeves, uh, who she briefly dated. Goddamn right she did. What a good looking couple. Yes. Yeah. Like, especially in the 80s. I, they like, probably damn. looked exactly like each other I, when they were dating. It's like, yeah, that dark hair. Especially since, like, <laughs> yeah. we watched Point Break recently yeah. and he's, like, also dating this short haired, oh, like, yeah, yeah, black yeah. haired girl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the very next year, she is in one of my favorite genre films, one that I included uh, a couple months ago on my uh, favorite underrated slashers list. Uh, she's in The Stepfather with Terry O'Quinn. This movie fucking rocks. This movie, oh, it's so good. And if I'm so mad we haven't watched the sequels yet. I know, we need to. We if really you're listening gotta. to this podcast right now and you've never seen the movie The Stepfather, yeah. I believe it's still pretty readily available, like streaming. I think it's. Like I've watched on, it a few times now. Yeah, it yeah. seems to bounce around between services, but it's kind of just like always floating around out there. The stepfather is a ridiculous amount of fun. Yeah, it it is genuine. I mean, I feel like this is a description you hear of a lot of things, but it is the one. It is straight up a lifetime movie that is an R-rated horror movie. Yep. It's it is actually an R-rated slasher and actually a lifetime movie. Yeah. It is somehow both of those things at the same time. I mean, I don't want to ruin anything for people who haven't like seen this, but if you can like quickly skip over like a minute as I just describe how this movie opens with Terry O'Quinn looking in a mirror, shaving off his beard and like giving himself this like clean shaven face. He then walks downstairs past just a room full of bloody dead bodies that yeah. he is clearly just like murdered. It's my favorite way to start a movie, which is at the end of a movie we didn't see. I know. And then it's also got just that perfect like, late 80s early 90s score to go along yeah. with it and yeah which just adds to that lifetime movie feel that it has um i think even at the end sholene like it kind of ends with her before like the the climax of the movie like in a shower scene uh, i think you're right which is like re a really odd moment in a film that like didn't have like really any nudity in it. It was right. like pretty heavy on like the blood, but it's very much an 80s slasher. Movie. Oh man, yeah. it's fantastic. Terry O'Quinn is so scary he's in this great movie. In this movie, he's so good. I'm a Jill Sholin is so good too because she she's like she also looks just so sweet in this movie. Yeah, she's yeah, always yeah. wearing these like pastel like blue and pink sweaters, but she's supposed to be like a damaged teenage rebel <laughs> yeah. that like doesn't want her mom to have a new. Um, dad or husband husband <laughs> mom you can't have any new dads i like looked you dead in the eye and was like i'm gonna say the wrong word right now no new dads mom <laughs> so she like doesn't want her mom to get married and she's like in therapy because she's troubled and it's so funny because she looks just like cotton candy in the movie yeah she's like uh and, and like again like that's not even that's like it's weird it's like that that's a weird thing that's like on the costumer or whatever, but she oh, looks yeah. like a, a just a sweet preppy, you yep. know, rich kid teen. I know who's like 
supposed to be deeply damaged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this is one of the best. This is one of the Jill Sholeen's that we had like an accidental like double feature of her movies. Yeah, and it truly is so good. Like oh, I, so I, good. I mean, I'm a huge slasher fan, so I mm-hmm. would maybe rated a little higher than others but i i feel pretty confident saying like you should see this this is like the movie on the on the show lean list that like everybody should go out of their way to see yeah and i mean one of the notes i have here too is that like the stepfather like became a sleeper hit yeah so like this like actually was well received like we mentioned it's spun on, spun off several sequels There's a bunch of them and a remake in the yep. 2000s with fucking what's his name right the guy from nip tuck huh i think it's the guy from nip tuck okay you might be right. I just like I, that's all I know his face from is Nip Tuck. Oh yeah, you are right. I right. Who was I thinking of? Yeah, his name is apparently Penn Badgley. There you go. Oh no, wait. This guy, Dylan Walsh. Oh, Dylan Walsh. That's what I mean. That's Penn Badgley is uh probably like the I don't know the cute teen boyfriend uh, yeah, or I something. So. I don't know. I think he's in that movie or TV show that's on Netflix that everyone loves. You. Okay. All where right. he plays like a, a stalker. I don't know. Okay. Why did I think Kevin Costner was in this movie? I don't know, but he sh- should be. He sounds like he would be a great stepfather character. Right. He would be. Yeah. Uh, probably because he's such a chilling presence in, um, oh, fuck, what is it? Kevin Costner? Uh, yeah, never mind. I might be thinking of the wrong thing, but... Um, but yeah, I would love to see Kevin Costner in a film like that. I think that would be a ton of fun. Um, oh, you know, I think I might be thinking of this movie, Mr. Brooks, because he was like uh, right around the time of the stepfather. He was in like a weird sort of horror adjacent movie. There's a lot of those something about the 2000s that had these just like older, dark figures. There's another one that has um, oh, what's the other guy from Frasier, not the guy that plays Frasier. Kelsey but- Grammer. <laughs> Not the guy that plays Frasier. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but there's another movie. It's called, like, I don't know, The Neighbor or something. Um, I, why can't I think of that guy's name? Uh, David Hyde Pierce. Yes, I That's love him. That's it. I love him, too. But he's, like, also in this, like, kind of chilling... Uh, like 2000s film where he's like playing like a I don't know a dad type figure with like a haunted past um you mean a bug's life don't you yeah I do mean a bug's life clearly <laughs> clearly if anyone has seen a bug's life that is the uh the plot um so yeah she she gets on the map with the stepfather and then kind of continues on with these slasher films. Um, this is one we were trying to make time for, but it does seem to be ready available. Um, in 1989, she does cutting class, uh, starring alongside Brad Pitt and Roddy McDowell. So two (sighs) more. We gotta see this fucking movie. I know we do. Um, and that is where she meets Brad Pitt, who she was, uh, engaged to for a couple months. And literally a couple of months. Literally a couple months. Yes. Um, which is just in, insane to me. This is like, I mean, he's always good looking, but this is like some peak, like good looking Brad. Pitt. I mean, young Brad is is yeah. an unbelievable specimen. Yeah, and because we're focusing on Sholene and her career, I don't want to get into like this heartbreak but i did read an article about the kind of traumatizing you, we have to talk about this because this is incredible okay, we can talk about it so i found an interview in which he kind of talked about some of his you know harder relationships and this is when brad pitt is still pretty new on the scene so he isn't like a, a yeah, starring I mean, leading man yet he isn't making a ton of money yet in 89 brad pitt is basically no one yeah like he, i don't even know has he done his little role at that point in Thelma um, and louise yeah that's what i was trying to wonder too uh, i forget what on, year that is that. um but uh, oh, not producer. But uh, go ahead, continue. I'll, so I'll find that. So, in the the article I found, um, he says that Sholene calls him up um, when he's in Los Angeles. She was on the phone crying, saying that she was like really lonely and wanted him to come to Hungary where she was filming a movie. And he's like, I had eight hundred dollars in my pocket and I spent six hundred dollars on a ticket to like go visit her. 
When he gets there, she tells them she goes. They go out to dinner, and she says that she has fallen in love with the director of the film that she is working on, and uh, that's that's the end of their uh, relationship. What an incredible move! And then he just bums around, hungry, until he can go home again. So this is two years before Thelma and Louise, yeah. and in Thelma and Louise, he's literally got like a five minute role as like a guy on somebody's couch. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he's doing nothing. He when he says he had six hundred dollars in his pocket, like enough to go see her just so she can break up with him. That is all he has, you know. But it's fascinating to me because it's like Jill Schoenlein dated two of like two of the best looking yeah. men in Hollywood then and now. Yes. Uh, and just like was leaving him brokenhearted all over the place. I think it is fucking incredible that she made him fly out to her just so she could be like, I know. you're done, motherfucker. Because there's a part of me that's like, breakups are weird. You want to do I, it in person. There's absolutely a part of me that's like, <laughs> oh, she's trying to do the thing where she like respects him yeah. as a person until you realize like, that is the most disrespectful way Ooh. you could do that, considering yeah. the like context. And like maybe she hadn't figured out if they were gonna break up yet or yet or not. And by the time he got there, she was like, "All right, I guess it's over." Like I don't know. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt here. Being a lady's hard. Uh, listen, <laughs> I'm I am in no way uh, passing any judgment other yeah. than how fucking badass is it to make <laughs> this young hunk fly out to you just to break up with him. Oh, that is so insane. Funny. Yeah. So Jill Sholene is. Killing it in slashers yeah. and just like killing it with She's dudes. Fucking slashing hearts. Yeah, I love it. Um, so then she she kind of goes on to work on some other uh, TV stuff. She's in Murder She Wrote, which I feel like a lot of the people that I have done research on have I been in episodes of Murder She Wrote. Cheers, my beer to Murder She Wrote. I love it. Uh, and then the same year, which I think this is the movie she was working on in Hungary when she broke up with Brad Pitt, mm. uh, she does The Curse 2. Uh, I don't even know what The, the, the curse, curse 2, is. The Bite. The Curse is, I think, a Wes Craven movie? Oh, I could yeah. be wrong. It's like a werewolf movie. And I know he's done a werewolf movie before. I think I know what movie you're thinking of, and it is not... The, whatever the curse is. Uh, hold on, hold on. Because Wes Craven's movie, it was one of his later movies, and it's one of his least liked movies. Oh, no, wait. The curse is from 1987, and it is from director David Keith, starring Will Wheaton, I believe. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah, Cursed is what you're thinking of, cursed. which starred, I think, Christina Ricci. I, yeah, that's, that. okay. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, this is a different movie. So, The Curse 2, The Bite, is uh, Joel Sholin's film, uh, the plot of which is... Um, after being bitten by a radioactive snake, a young man begins to spawn snake-like creatures with a vicious, murderous nature. So that also is probably a movie we should it sounds see. Sounds fucking wild. <laughs> it sounds like a sci-fi TV movie for sure. And I mean, if you're right about this being the director, she broke up with uh, Brad Pitt for his name is Frederico Prosperi. Yeah. So you know why not? Um. And then uh, after working on The Curse 2, uh, she gets to star alongside Robert England, uh, who, of course, from Freddy Krueger fame. Um, and we did find this movie. This was a very hard movie for us to find. It is not available anywhere. Uh, but it is the 1989 retelling of The Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, this was surprisingly hard to find because I would think, uh, you know, there's been tons of Phantom adaptations over the years, and I would think these would be relatively easy to find and gettable, you know? This yeah. was pretty hard to find, but we did get our hands on it eventually. Um, And so Jules Sholene does have a singing background, and the note I have from her about this film is that... Um, because she's a singer, she sang in Phantom of the Opera, but the truth was the entire musical score was already done by the time she was cast. Um, they didn't really think that they could find an actress that would be able to sing, so she had to lip sync uh, doing these opera pieces, which are some of the weirdest parts of the movie. I mean, right off the bat, I got to say that this movie is fucking hilarious from start to finish in oh, really none of the ways that it wants to be. I do think yeah. it's trying to be funny occasionally, mm-hmm. uh, but it, 
it's got that thing of like so I really like campy movies yes. but this it, um this might be the kind of camp that actually people who are truly into camp would like cuz I think this is that sort of like unaware camp where it is yeah. just like every- It does have a serious tone to yeah, it. Yeah, but like for instance, Jill Sholine is lip syncing to an opera track that is very clearly not coming out of her tiny little Jill, Jill Sholine body. You hear a very mature like yeah. voice. An opera voice that could only come, in my opinion, from a much larger, more mature uh, body. <laughs> and and it, it looks and sounds weird. It looks insane. It's funny every time. Jill, to her credit, is doing an amazing job like trying to convince me that that the is one, coming out of her body. The one part where it she's actually no performing sense. on the stage, yeah. I feel like she is like giving it her all. Oh, yeah. Like that's one thing I really appreciate too is that like she seems like one of those like I am a serious actor, so even if I'm in like the yeah. campiest thing, I am going to be giving it my all. Yeah. And this is for sure a great example of that. She's like great in the singing sequences. Yeah. It just always looks it's, really I can't funny. get over it anytime it happens. It's like one of those things that's just so awkward you want to look away a little bit it's so funny Um, and the other thing is that this whole fucking movie i mean without ever having to say that this is its premise it the premise really is like what if freddy krueger was the phantom of the opera yeah they're really just being like cool robert england you're freddy and we're gonna make you freddy even when you're not freddy he straight (laughs) up has like uh makeup to make it look like he was burned at some point in his past. Yeah, and then he's got like a, a fucked up face and that's why he needs the phantom chin thing mask. that they put on him. Um he the whole movie basically is a dream sequence. Yeah. So it's also got this idea that he's like invading this girl's dreams. Mm-hmm. Um he uh murders a lot of people in this movie yeah. and makes bad puns about how he's murdering mm-hmm. them, which is very much an established Freddy thing. Yep. It's wild how much this is basically a Freddy Krueger movie, but a Phantom of the Opera also, movie. Also, uh, it has two people who are not in the film very often, but are like people that like, you're like, why aren't they in this film more often? Yeah. You have Molly Shannon in yes. the movie as like Jill Sholin's friend, friend or like, yeah. you know, the, the woman that's like doing the music for her. Yeah. And then you have Bill Nye yes. in this film. Yes. A very young Bill young Nye, Bill Nye yeah. which is spry. weird to see when you are used to old Bill Nye. Yes. <laughs> But, like, still delightful. Like, he's still acting like... He might be the best part of this movie. He's really funny. He just seems, like, totally dejected by, like, every fucking thing that's yeah. happening. Like, he does not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love him in this yeah. movie. And it, it, it is, like, it does satisfy in this weird, like... By the way, no one has ever asked for this, nor will they. No. But it very much satisfies in, in a hard R-rated horror yeah. movie version of Phantom of the Opera. It's got, like, some really gruesome some violence in it. Yeah. It's like pretty goopy and gross in in quite a few ways actually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff that like really I would I want to like. Yeah. I just the movie is kind of boring. It like Yeah, and then one thing I was excited about at the beginning cuz it starts in modern day time yeah. and then goes into this yeah. whole dream sequence or just like from the past, yeah. but like I was like, "Oh, I don't think I've ever seen a modern take on the Phantom of the Opera and then they immediately are like nope we're back in the 1800s right. like that's where we're at and you're yeah. like oh okay like I've, I've seen this before like like many times yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen two universal m- yes. monster movies yeah. versions of this it, and a weird 2000s version of this it is weird actually I thought because like I agree with you I was like I was kind of ready for the like oh they're gonna like try and do it yeah. now and then it just is not that it, no and then the other thing that's really interesting about this movie is that it really highlights I mean all of the Phantom of the Opera tellings I have seen are like low key horny mm-hmm. and this movie is like horny as fuck which I guess is them being like it's the 80s we gotta get blood and boobs but it's very odd I mean they're very clearly trying to make a slasher movie out of the Phantom of the Opera which yeah. again is just like a weird I don't yeah, know he's why like Jack the Ripper yeah. on the side yeah, right. and then also this amazing opera composer right right yeah. It, it's a really, really weird movie. I wish it were weird in a way that I could like recommend more heartily. Yes. But I actually do think that there are people that would like really like this movie. Yeah. I, I actually think like 
I just thought it was boring, but mm-hmm. otherwise the stuff that is kind of interesting about it is pretty cool and interesting. Yeah, and you know, I because it's hard to find, I don't think we have many friends that have seen this movie, but yeah, I would yeah. love to discuss this movie with folks if they yes. if they can find it. Yeah. Um if if people are listening and they have seen this movie, please tell us cuz oh, we'd yeah. love to talk. Share about your opinion cuz <laughs> it it was really it's a bizarre fucking movie. Um And then in 1991, she does uh, a film that we also saw recently Mm -hmm. called Popcorn. Yeah. um, Starring alongside Dee Wallace, who is another one of our favorite genre ladies. This list of people she worked with is like truly insane. Yeah. Um, And Popcorn, I don't think we loved either. I think Jill is great in it. There's a lot of like fun, campy, like early 90s stuff in it. There's some great makeup effects. There's really good makeup effects. And it it also weirdly has like a Phantom of the Opera kind of subplot. The, honestly, this is this is the better Phantom of the it Opera is. Jill Sholeen movie, in my opinion. And it takes place at like a horror movie marathon yeah. where they're trying to play all of the schlock movies that um, would get you in the door by having like, oh, it's gonna shock your seat, or you're gonna, yeah, you know, uh, smell o vision. Yeah, like smell. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. like uh, some of the Vincent Price yeah. kind of stuff they used to do to get people in the exactly, seats, yeah. which I totally appreciate, and like really made me miss the uh, horror movie marathons we used to go to when the world wasn't <laughs> a shithole. Yes. Um, you know, because we like attended a lot of the exhumed events together. So yeah. watching that movie also just made me like really nostalgic for my community of horror folks. Um, so there's a lot of this I really love, especially it's like these like young students that are all like in film school and they're trying to save this theater. So there's like a lot of this stuff that's like kind of heartwarming that... I think if you're a movie nerd, it yeah, really kind of... I don't know. It spoke to me that yeah, way. Yeah, there's a sweet spot. Because like I, I think I rated this movie exactly the same as I rated Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. and some of the other ones we've talked about like not yeah. being great. But I think I like this mm-hmm. one more than those. I agree. This, this is more fun. And then like the other plot point of this is that like while they're getting ready to put on this whole um, like marathon film that they're doing, yeah. they find this like short film like piece of reel that's from this like troubled filmmaker who started a cult, and so it's this really disturbing piece of film they find. Which like again, as people that are seeking out really weird materials that are sometimes hard to find, that was another plot point that like really spoke to me. A haunted movie that creates a cult yeah. is. Such a good premise. I actually think that's why I ultimately maybe underrated this movie. Yeah. Because it that is a great premise that this movie like doesn't do a lot with. It doesn't, which is unfortunate. It, this movie actually has like four <laughs> plot threads, all of which would make their own interesting movies. Yeah. And combined in this movie are all kind of false starts. Yeah. Um, but I that it's a really fun movie. Yeah. I, I I think of the sort of like not great, but but interesting movies. Yeah. Joel Sholeen was in. This is like the one to seek out. Yeah. I mean, see the stepfather because that movie actually fucking rocks. Yeah. Um, but popcorn is like a lot of fun for being yeah. like a pretty not great movie, you know. And this is a movie too. Like Joel Sholeen, I think is always great when I see her and stuff. She's really but good I, this. this was another movie that I feel like she was a little underserved because she yeah. very quickly becomes like the target and victim for this like right. Phantom of the Opera type character, and she gets captured and needs yeah. to be like rescued, and so there's all this stuff where I'm like no but I like want her to be the badass lady that's like because I liked her in this too but you're right it's like in a lot of these movies that I like her in she's like fine yeah she falls into these trappings that a lot of women do which is unfortunate she doesn't get to do a lot yeah Um, but she's still fantastic which is is fun and definitely yeah like if you're into film like this is a a movie that I think you will probably enjoy a lot of like the the ideas that they're trying to get across in this right um so yeah after she does popcorn she kind of like switches gears a little bit in the 90s and goes more towards like romantic as she should and comedies which I think does make sense for her she's a she would be a great romantic comedy lead um yeah she's in uh, a film called rich girl as well as a film called adventures in spying <laughs> just because she's in them I would watch either of those movies um and then she returns to horror in 1992 starring with Fred uh, starring in Fred Williamson's state of mind Fred Williamson is also an awesome B actor that we should like uh consider 
were doing for the show, by the way. Yeah, this is a very strange looking film uh, that, uh, yeah, I mean, Fred Williamson is in it, so I'm interested. But it just, the plot is just like, a couple falls in the hands of a female psychopath. I'm like, okay, sure. Female psychopath. I love a female psychopath, so I would watch it for that reason, for sure. Um, but then after that, she comes back and she does another sequel uh, to a film. Um, she does When a Stranger Calls Back. Okay, I love this which movie. Which arguably is better than When a Stranger Calls. Yeah, I, I would argue that. Yeah, I would for sure. Uh, and it I is, like both of those movies, by the way. It is a movie I have wanted to see for so long because so many of our like film friends have posted just that like little gif of the um, giant head without a face. Yes. that like you assume is from a dream sequence yes. in the movie and it is not nope. that is a thing that is actually Happens happening in the movie in the to plot the characters yes um which is hilarious when i finally yeah. like saw that piece in context yeah um but yeah i mean when a stranger calls back is so much fun because you do get some of the original characters of um yeah carol kane comes back carol and, kane um, comes back what's the guy's name um, charles sterning you might be right. Yeah, Charles Durning, you're yeah. right. Yeah, so they both come back for this. And um, I even like the the plot of this movie, which is that Carol Kane, after this like traumatic event happened to her when she was like stalked by this like psychopath. Yeah, so the first movie, When a Stranger Calls, yeah. Carol Kane is a teenager in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a, honestly, it's like a progenitor to Scream. It's, yeah. a, it's about a it's girl who gets creepy phone calls. It's the urban legends that, yeah, yeah. We, we all know from like, it's, it's one of the ones that's in uh, Scary Story to tell in yeah. the dark. Um, this is also one of the ones that like haunted me when I read it as a kid because that's like at the point in my life when my mom started trusting me to babysit my sisters. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, 11 or 12 and I'm like, Ugh. Right, it's, it's basically the babysitter killer myth. Or yeah, whatever, right? and yeah. so it's like, it's which is horrifying when you're like a very young kid yeah. still like m- not even a teenager yet yeah and you know the story of like someone potentially being in your house and like yeah. being after you and like the children um so yeah carol kane like stars in this film which is like very interesting we watched this uh, we watched when a stranger calls when a stranger calls back and the stepfather all in one day yes. which was a fascinating super fun <laughs> fascinating and, and not marathon. realizing that um when a stranger calls back uh opens with this great scene starring Jill yeah. Charlene, uh, right? She's the girl in the opening she's, of the movie, so right? So she is now the girl that yeah, is she's, being who's terrorized. The phone calls. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then Carol King comes back, returns to her role. And, it, and but this movie was made like 15 years after the original. It same was a, director. Same director, made for TV movie, which yeah. says to me he had been trying to get this movie made and couldn't. And, and it was on only, like Showtime or right, something. Could only yeah. get it made through this particular way. Mm-hmm. And and it's a really like worthy sequel it where it basically takes the trauma of the first movie seriously, yeah. which is a thing that not enough horror movies do. I know. Um, and and then becomes a wild slasher movie in the last yeah. act. And Carol I'm- Kane becomes like she uses this trauma to like work in a crisis center yeah. and help other girls right. that are going through similar situations that she has. And, you know, again, like in this situation, Jill Sholin's character, no one is taking it seriously. There's not enough proof. It's one of those storylines that infuriates me because like that's still what it is like right. being a victim of like a stalker now. Yeah. It's like it's so hard to actually prove. And so having someone like this Carol Kane character who's experienced it before and is like, I'm going to make sure like we find everything evidence and we get this guy um and then the character that plays the stalker is like deeply unsettling in this movie it's so the what the third and i'm not going to spoil it for listeners because i think you should really see this movie the third act could break you like it it goes to a place that is so deeply silly in some sense that i think you could watch this movie and be like oh this is dumb but I encourage you to instead enjoy the fact yeah. that this movie like genuinely takes the trauma of its characters very seriously mm-hmm. and is a good drama and actually like I think has something to say about the way trauma is carried uh with people throughout their lives. Yeah. And then also gets to be one of the weird, like sincerely weirdest yeah. slasher movies in the history of the genre. Yeah. And it gets to do both of those things well. I really like this movie. Yeah, like it is not many really things strange. can pull that off. Yeah, it's 
It's a really strange movie that I really, really like. I think it's a ton of fun. This is one of the movies I was very happy that we I like could cross off my my list this year because I've wanted to see it for so long. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we watched it and I was like, fuck, that's Jill Sholene. This is amazing. Yeah. We have to watch The Stepfather now because yeah. you need to see this other movie Which, that she's been thank in. Thank God we did. Again, the, the best movie in her career, the I think. Best. Like, it's great. Um, so yeah, like, and this kind of seems to fit into like the roles that she likes to do too. She mentions that she's not really into like the like the jump scares or right. films that are kind of made for the sake of slashing people up, which I love. Um, but I understand not loving that. Um, and yeah, I think because this is a movie that takes the trauma of the victim seriously, she gets to do all of this serious stuff while yeah. also being in like a truly weird genre film that I think, I think like this is pretty beloved by the genre community. I could also see making a bunch of these like cheapo horror movies, which she did. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing this script again with this, this movie that really takes the trauma these characters yeah. experience seriously. I, I could totally see being interested in that as an actor, For like sure. having done a lot of the cheapo stuff yeah. and seeing a script that is like, oh, it is the cheapo premise, yeah. but like actually with some thought. Yeah. Uh, I could see wanting to do that. Which when we talked about Saxon, I know that was something he was always yeah. looking for too in these roles. The, it's the like, psychology all right, well, there's of that these seed of yeah. like a, an idea that like is interesting yeah. and is trying to delve into these like deeper themes of just what humanity is like just taking the psychology seriously is like must be interesting to these actors you know um but yeah like that's kind of one of the last like major genre films she does um before she retires she does a few uh, smaller film roles um some short films and then she retires from acting in the early 2000s so on on as a whole like jill sholene's film career is pretty small condensed in these like 80s 90s movies and then she um eventually gets married and has two children with uh musician and composer anthony marinelli uh who i looked him up just to see what kind of movies he worked on and he worked on movies like uh, demolition man and over the top (laughs) which we also saw uh her children are also named dante and zachariah which are two like very biblical names dope fascinating names i love the idea of naming a kid dante (laughs) yeah um See, like, uh, when I first researched Soling, that was, like, one of the last things I saw. Like, IMDb kind of does, like, a disservice to her and just is like, cool, that was her film career, and now she's done. Well, that is specifically what IMDb is for. No, but, like, as we're about to go into, there is yeah. more to that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it just writes her off, and that's, like, it. Like, she hasn't been doing anything over the years. Um, right. where Where she has, like, she's... You know, unfortunately, recently, like, got divorced, um, but then she came out with a record in 2009 because she is a singer. She's been doing classes. Um, and as of 2018, she said she actually wants to get back into acting and directing, um, but just hasn't really seen mm. the right things out there for her yet. Um, but then as I started, like, delving deeper into what she's been working on in recent years... Um, She's uh, worked on a short film called Moon Chaser, um, which could turn into a feature film, and that would be her first like directorial gig, which would be cool. Um, she also has another film in development called Howard Lake um, that's based on a true story that took place in 1987. Um, it's about a young 19-year-old girl and her 60-year-old husband who um, are both like in a double murder, uh, which sounds pretty interesting. So I hope that comes to, um, comes to fruition. Cause that sounds like a story I'd be interested in. Cause I just love that true crimey kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and kind of feels like an interesting counterpart to things like, uh, when a stranger calls back and stuff right. like that true crime, like lifetimey kind of stuff. Um, some other things that I think she's like uh, that are pretty interesting that she's been working on. Um, she's like worked as an acting coach and been working with other actors, which I think is really awesome. And then um, one thing that is also cool is she has a book coming out soon, um, or it may be has come out since uh, I was doing the research. Um, but she has uh, it's a Lego. I forget how to say it exactly. It's a that skin condition um, where you kind of, 
Um, so it's a skin condition where you kind of have like different pigmentations. So you have like darker patches of skin and lighter patches of skin. I know what you mean. Um, and hers is like a little bit more subtle. It's not really something you notice until she's like actually tried to not cover it up and like has decided that she wants like the world to know about this. And sure, like activism for that for uh, sure. disease. Yeah. Um, and so she's been working on this book called The Skin I Live In that is about, um, you know, that the fact that she's been living with this as this actress who, like, I would not have known that that's a thing she was dealing with. I think my grandfather had that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, seems like something much more common than we would expect. So yeah. I'm, like, also interested that she's, like, writing a book on it. And I think that's really awesome. Um she has now become a part of like the horror film fests and conventions. Uh, and one of my favorite things is that she's launched a talk show called Sugar and Scream uh, with Suzanne Snyder, <laughs> uh, who is from Killer Clowns, Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Creeps. Uh, and it's a cooking slash talk show in which all of like the stuff they're Love cooking that. has kind of like, you know, horror like fun names to them i would Um, watch that that sounds great it sounds fantastic so i also love the idea that now she is like cool i'm embracing the fact that i am like this staple in the horror community and i'm also gonna work with like other scream queens and we're gonna like you know use this to to talk about like food which is you know one of my favorite things so i love that combination (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's like, it's cool to see that, you know, over the years, like, even though like she dipped off and retired from acting has like, wants to get behind the camera and learn more about that. I'd love and to see her direct something. That me would too. Be very interesting. Ah, I think that'd be really interesting. And from interviews and stuff, it sounds like that was something she was always interested in and like wanted to talk to like the crews on films and like learn about what they were doing. So I also just like love people that are so interested in the process that they want to learn like the different aspects of it and not just their own like little piece of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like most of Jill Sholene's life. Um, there is a ton of like, I got a ton of research from different people, but she had an interview with crypto rock um, as well as Cinepunks, um, which uh, you should definitely check out that interview that they do with her because it's really awesome that they they got a chance to talk to her. Yeah. She sounds like a very cool lady. So Yeah, she seems like she'd be cool as shit. Yeah, I would love to talk to her um, if possible. I would have so much trouble not being like, just tell me how great it was to run your fingers through Keanu's hair when he was <laughs> 21 years old. <laughs> We'll just like we'll just keep that bottled up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited that we got to talk about Sholene, um, especially after talking about someone who had like so many acting credits and seeing kind of the other side of it. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see how like Sholene's career kind of compares to some of the other female genre actors that yeah. we do, um, because I would be interested. I would be interested if we'll notice some certain like through lines, uh, depending on if it's a woman if it's a white man if it's like poc folks that have like been stars of these genre films yeah um yeah any any final thoughts on uh uh, miss Choline? no i have no final thoughts on miss Choline. i just like she's one of those presences that i i miss it's like it's really nice getting to see like barbara crampton have a resurgence i know it's like i it would be cool to see uh Jill Sholene start popping up in some stuff. I know. know. I, yeah, I would love to see her like kind of as, as like Crampton came back and like you were next and played like the mom and you're next. I would love to see Sholene show up and do one of these characters. I think that'd be so much fun. There's a young, uh, you know, horror filmmaker out there trying to find the matriarch for their, uh, you know, their horror movie. Yeah. See if you can, see if you can get Ms. Sholene. Yeah. She would be great. For sure. We need uh, more of these awesome ladies uh, to continue their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, we never really did figure out a sign off for this yet, did we? Um, Nor do we we have have any social media to plug yet. No, but we will. It'll, it'll be a thing. Now that we have a name, which I think is the first step, uh, (laughs) we can work on the social medias. Uh, And then we'll just eventually cut in uh, some little plugs at the end of each of these. Exactly. So uh, look forward to those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you can find both of us on moviejohn.com and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on Letterboxd if you care to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm a Tori Potenza. I'm Garrett Smith. And this is Killer Bees. 
buzz, buzz. <laughs>